He's more than enough. He's everything we need. And he's right here right now to meet your need. He's Jehovah Jireh, which means my provider. He has exactly what you need right when you need it most. And a lot of times we don't know what we need. There have been times where I've thought I've needed something and I've prayed about it and God says, mm, it's not really what you need. And then I look back years later and I say, thank you, God, you didn't answer that prayer the way I wanted you to because you had something better for me because you are the provider who knows me. See, God created you. He knows you. He knows what you need more than you even know what you need. He wants to meet your deepest need more than you even want your deepest needs met. Now, some of you came in here today and you know what your deepest need is. You know the hurt in your heart. You know the healing that you need or, or you know the provision that you need or you know that burden that you carried in. Maybe it's a family member that you're just so burdened for or maybe it's a relationship that's sort of unraveling that's just ripping your heart out. You know your deepest need, but I want you to know God knows it too. And he knows the things that you don't know that you need, and he's going to provide it. You look to him. He's your Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides everything we need. He is everything. And I want us to pray to him. Do you believe God has a word for you today? I do. I know he wants to speak right to your heart today. Do you believe that? Let's just thank him. If you believe that, are you ready to receive what God has for you today, Woodland Church? Let's thank him in advance. And here's what I want you to do. I want you just to say a yes to God in advance. It's like praying, God, yes. Now tell me what you want me to do. Say yes in advance because that's faith, because he loves you so much. He wants the best for you more than you want the best for yourself. He made you. He knows how you work best, and he knows exactly what you need, and he wants to give you his best, and God's best is always better than our best. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And Lord, I know that you know the deepest needs of every person within the sound of my voice, whether they're worshiping with us online on the other side of the world, or they're here at the Woodlands campus, or at Tascacita campus, or Lord, you know them, and you know their need. And here's the great thing, Lord, I thank you that you have the power to meet that need. And Lord, you have the best plan for us. Sometimes I struggle with trusting you. I think I know what's best. I think I know what I need. But Lord, when I surrender to you, your dream and your plan is so much greater, so much bigger, so much better than I could ever imagine. So I pray right now over the next few moments that you would just break through everyone's heart and meet them at their deepest point of need and just let them know, Lord, that you know what they're going through, that you have a purpose, you have a plan. And then, Lord, help us just understand more of who you are and that we can trust you with everything in our lives because someone who loves us so much that you died for us and gave us the free gift of heaven, we can trust you with everything. And you want to just provide. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. There's a longstanding Christmas tradition that really dates back to the early 1800s in England of hanging stockings beside the fire on Christmas Eve in hopes that 
good old St. Nicholas will stuff the stocking with goodies by Christmas morning. And in the early 1800s in England, the number one stocking stuffer that still gets into a few stockings today is the orange. Now, I know that most kids today, when they go uh, to the fireplace on Christmas morning and grab their stocking, aren't so excited when they find an orange in the toe of the stocking. Uh, But it's still a Christmas tradition for some families today. But you have to understand that for a child growing up in the early 1800s in England, an orange was a rare treat. Only the richest of the rich could grow oranges because you had to build a huge greenhouse in order to grow orange trees. So really it was only like the queen of England and some of the richest nobles that could grow oranges. Now the middle class could sometimes get their hands on a rare orange when they were imported from Valencia, Spain, or Ivrea, Italy, which, by the way, is a town in Italy that, because of their abundance of oranges, still has that long-standing tradition on Christmas of pelting each other with oranges. The bigger, the better. That's a pretty awesome tradition. Dodgeball with oranges. Pretty amazing. And so that's what I wanted to do here today for those of you on the front row practice that tradition. No, isn't that cool? I mean, you're thinking all year long, who am I going to pelt this year because it's really cool? It's the only time I can do it is Christmas. You know, I mean, here's a Christmas miracle, and you can just pelt somebody. Pretty amazing. I I like that. But we don't have that tradition, and in Victorian England, they didn't have it either because it wasn't common in England for a commoner's child to ever have held an orange in their hand. So uh, just imagine a middle-class child waking up on Christmas Day to find this rare exotic fruit from a faraway land in his or her stocking. I mean, they'd be so excited because it was a fruit that they had heard about from others. They had heard people describe what an orange was like. It was a fruit they may have read about in school or seen pictures of in a book, but they'd never tasted an orange. They knew about it from others, but they'd never experienced it. But can you just imagine you know, peeling that orange for the first time. And as they peel the orange, they would smell the sweet fragrance of an orange for the first time. Must have been magical. It's hard for us to imagine, but it must have been magical for them. And then to bite into an orange for the first time for themselves and taste the sweetness. You see, we're in a series leading up to our Christmas Eve services that's all about tasting the sweetness of God's blessings in your life. And it all comes from a God first life. You see, the series is called God First Christmas. It's really how to put God first this Christmas, how to put God first this Christmas in your heart, in your life, in your family, in your house, because it makes all the difference. There's so many blessings from living a God first life. And so I want you to open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 34. And would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church, and just follow along with me. I love this passage. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you as holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You can be seated. 
I love the imagery there. The psalmist invites us to taste and see the Lord's goodness. It's an invitation to experience God's goodness for ourselves. He invites us to taste. You see, David is basically saying here, if you try it, you'll love it. If you try the goodness of God, you'll love the goodness of God. It's sort of like when they give those samples out at the grocery store and, and maybe it's a, a little dessert or, or pieces of a cookie or maybe it's a cheese and you try that sample. They know that if you try it, you'll probably buy it because if you try it, you might like it and then you'll buy it. It's like when you go to the ice cream shop and they've got those little cups that you can try Maybe a new flavor. You know, I want to try that flavor out, you know, because if you try it, you might buy it. I hate when I get behind someone who can't make up their mind at the ice cream shop. It's like, you know, mm, I forgot what cookies and cream taste like. Could you give me cookies and cream? And I want to compare it to this new flavor. And, oh, you know what? Um, I forgot what mint chocolate chip tastes like. Give me one of those real quick. Okay. Huh. And they just keep going and going, and I'm like, really? Really? I mean, you've gotten like three scoops of samplers right there. I mean, you bring a banana, you'd have a banana split. I mean, come on. That's crazy. I mean, I just hate that. But, but the reason they give those samples out is because they go, you got to try it. You'll like it. And David's saying, I know that if you taste, oh, you're going to see. You're going to love it. It's kind of like when Chris and I go out to dinner. You know, if she orders something different from me and then she tries it and it's really good and she knows me, she knows what I like. And so she'll say something like, you would love this. You got to try this. And she'll already have it on her fork, you know, putting it across the table to me. You got to try this. And I trust her because she knows me. I don't know if she's trying to make me jealous, like, should have ordered this one, you really blew it. I, no, it really, she's excited because she knows me. Oh, if you try it, you're going to love this. Carrie, you're going to love this. Try this. And that's what David is saying here. He says, if you just taste, I mean, come on, just taste God's goodness. I have, and it's amazing. It's so fulfilling. I, I want you to taste it. I want you to experience it. Now, notice that, well, why don't we just look at it again, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Notice it doesn't say, read about God's goodness. Do a Bible study about God's goodness. Hear a sermon about God's goodness. No. He says you have to see it and taste it for yourself. It's really the taste test. It's an invitation to experience God's goodness for yourself. I mean, you could read all about an orange. You could study all about an orange. You can take an orange and you can dissect it and put it under a microscope and, and really study an orange, you can know every fact there is to know about an orange. Uh, but until you taste it, you'll never really know what an orange is like. Until you taste the orange, you'll never really understand what an orange is like until you experience it. And you can know all about the goodness of God. You can study all about the goodness of God. You can read in Scripture all about the goodness of God. You can hear others preach about the goodness of God. But you'll never really get it until you taste it for yourself, until you experience the goodness of God for yourself. You have to taste and see. 
You have to experience the goodness of God. Well, how do you do that? How do you taste? Well, the next verse in Psalm 34, we're gonna do a little study of Psalm 34 today. It tells us, in verse nine, it says, fear the Lord, you as holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Now, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It doesn't mean to be scared of God because the Bible says, draw close to God, he draws close to you. God doesn't want you to be scared of him. But what does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to be in awe of. It means to be so in awe of God that you put him first in every important area of your life. To fear God literally means to put God first. It's as simple and profound as that. To fear God, it means put God first. It says in scripture, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so when you put God first, you start making wise decisions in your life. Put God first is what he's saying. And if you put God first, you'll experience the blessings of a God first life. What does it say? You won't lack anything. You'll have everything that you need. So if you put God first, not second, not fifth, not last, if you put God first in every important area of your life, then he's saying that you're not gonna lack any good thing. You're gonna have every good thing that you need. You see, there are some things that taste really good, but they don't give you the nutrients that you need for health and energy for the long haul. I mean, there's some things that, well, they taste so good, but if that's all you eat, it's gonna be devastating to your physical body. There's some things that just taste amazing, but really, they don't give you any energy. They take energy away. And in life, if you put anything other than God first place in your life, you'll always feel empty. You'll always feel like something is missing. You'll never really discover your purpose in life. If you put anything other than God first place in your life, you'll always have this gnawing in your soul and aching in your soul that something is not right. There's gotta be more to life than just this because you were made to put God first. And by the way, God demands first place. There's one thing God can't do, and that's be second. I mean, you can put him second in your life, but he's still first. You just experience the consequences of not acknowledging that. When you taste God's goodness by putting him first in your life, you'll never feel empty on the inside. He'll provide you with all you need. He'll give you the things money can't buy, like fulfillment and peace, purpose and meaning and joy. And, and then he'll give you things that money can buy that you need because he knows you need them. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. So scripture says, taste and see. If you wanna experience God's goodness, you, you can't just read about it, you gotta taste it for yourself. You gotta taste and see. Why? Because tasting requires faith. Tasting requires faith. I like to go into little bookstores. When we're in a new town, a new city, I always like to go into the little bookstore, not the big Barnes & Noble, I love those too. I can hang out at a Barnes & Noble for a long time, but I, I like to go into the, the little mom and pop bookstores, you know, sometimes it's the used bookstores, sometimes they're new, but then I like to find just really interesting, unusual books. And a couple of months ago, I was in one of those little bookstores and I found a book that was titled, How to Forage for Mushrooms Without Dying. Oh, that's really cool. It's this huge book. How to Forage for Mushrooms Without Dying. And I thought, maybe I could, maybe there's, I've got some mushrooms growing in my backyard. I mean, I don't know. Maybe those are chanterelles and I can make a soup with. I, I don't know, you know. 
Well, I read some of the book and I realized that I will never forage for mushrooms. That's stupid, okay? But this guy, you know, he'll show you, oh, these mushrooms are amazing. You go out in the woods, you find these mushrooms, they're amazing, but be careful because he always, in every chapter, says the look-alike. Oh, the look-alike. And it's like, oh, don't get this one. And they look just alike. It's like, well, this one will kill you. But do, so don't eat that one. But you too can be an expert at foraging for mushrooms without dying. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to get into this. This is not a sport that I'm going to get into. And so I looked at several of them, and some of the most deadly, in fact, there's, there's one that's called the puffball that's a really good edible mushroom that he really recommends. And the problem is it's look-alike is something called the death angel. And um, the destroying death angel. I was like, okay, that can't be a good one. He's like, no, that one will kill you, you know. And so be careful, be careful. You know, I mean, these puffballs are really good, but but they look a little like the destroying death angel, and so be careful about that. Otherwise, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Just go for it. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to go for it. But just imagine the author of that book was here today, and he really wanted me to try an amazing edible mushroom that he had foraged. And and so he's this expert, and he he brings up, you know, a a basket of those puffballs, and then he says, these are amazing. Carrie, I want you to try one of these. You just got to try one of these. Unbelievable. You're, you're going to really like it. And then he says, now, now I'll tell you, they look a little like the ones in this basket. I've got a lot of death angels over here. The destroying death angels are in this basket. But you can see these little differences I told you about in the book. I hope you read the book because you'll see that these are totally different. They may look a little like to you, but they're totally different. And you can see this little thing and that little thing. Oh, see, so they're totally different, Right. And I'd go, yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that in the book, yeah. And he would say to me, Carrie, do you trust me? I'd go, you bet I trust you. You've been foraging for mushrooms for like 40 years, and you're not dead, so I trust you. You've eaten thousands of mushrooms out in the wild, and you're still alive. Yes, I trust you. And he would say, do you really trust me? i go, yeah, you're an expert. You wrote a book. You've got to be an expert. You've got something on the Internet. You have to be an expert. Yeah, sure, I trust you. And he would go, no, do you really trust me? And I would say, yes, I trust you. I said I trust you. He goes, well, then how come you haven't eaten one of these puffballs? They're amazing. Here, eat one. Taste, taste, taste. Just taste, just one taste. And I'd be like, eh, I don't really trust you that much. You see, without taste, there's no trust. Did you get that? The reason why... He says, taste and then see. Not read about it and then see. Is because there's no trust without taste. And without trust, you can't please God because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so God always requires faith, and that's why he requires taste. He wants you to experience him for yourself, for your own good. It's like Chris saying, I know you're going to love this. I don't know if I want to try that. I know you're going to love this. But see, if I don't taste, then I don't really trust. If you don't taste, you don't really trust. And if you say, God, I trust you. I believe in you. I sing songs to you. I go to church, and, and I believe your word. And I know your word says to put you first in all the important areas of my life. But, God, I don't, I mean, I don't really 
give to you the first part of my income. I don't really give you the first part of my day. I don't really put you first in my decisions and pray about decisions. Um, God, I, I don't really do that. And, but God, I believe in you. I believe in your word. Do you really if you're not tasting? Because taste and trust goes together. If you're not doing it, taste, it's an action that you have to do and then you experience. It's something that you have to do. You have to, I have to take that mushroom and put it in my mouth and taste it. Then, that would show that I trusted the expert. Then and only then, I'm tasting. And so have you tasted the goodness of God or do you just know about it and hear about it and believe in it but you don't really believe in it because you're not tasting? You can't trust until you taste. Psalm 34, eight says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Focus on that part, blessed is the man who trusts in him. Here's the thing about trust, you're putting your trust in something. You were made to trust, and you were made to worship, you were made to have something at the center of your life, and so if God is not who you trust, if you haven't placed your trust in God, you're gonna place your trust in something. Maybe you're trusting in yourself, maybe you're trusting in another person, a lot of people in our culture today put their trust in their 401k, put their trust in their savings account, put their trust in their finances, put their trust in their stock portfolio, put their security, they find their security in money. They find their security in financial things, in material things. They find their security in those things. You're gonna put your trust in something. And the Bible tells us don't trust in money because it's not trustworthy. It can't be trusted to meet the deepest needs of your heart. You can't count on it, it's just temporary. In that book on how to forage for mushrooms without dying, it tells you that some of the most deadly mushrooms are some of the tastiest. It's like if you wanna have a really tasty last meal, you know, eat these mushrooms and they're really good. You know, poured over chicken, you know, in a broth. I mean, it's like these are really tasty. And so some of the deadliest mushrooms are the tastiest mushrooms. Now, and what they'll do is you'll get sick right away and you have stomach ache and all that and throw up and, and then you'll feel a lot better for the next couple of days. But then the toxins start getting into the organs and it takes about a week and then it becomes really painful and about 50% of people die after about a week as the organs start failing. And I thought, that is awful. It's another reason why I'm not gonna pick up this hobby, the death hobby. I, I, don't, I don't think I like that. So, but, but think about it for a moment. That's the way it is with putting anything ahead of God first in your life. It may taste really good. I mean, you can put good things ahead of God. I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about good things like your family or another person, your, your marriage, your spouse. The problem is, there's no human being that can fill God's shoes. And when you put another person ahead of God, it puts too much pressure on them. They can't meet your deepest needs of purpose and meaning and joy. And when you look to another person to meet those deepest needs, they're gonna fail you. You're gonna be disappointed in them because they're an imperfect, broken person and you're really screwed up yourself, but you're focused on them. And so really a human being can't meet your deepest needs, but when you look to God, when Chris and I look to God first, then he frees us up to meet the needs that we can meet, and we grow closer to God, we grow closer to each other as we grow closer to God. 
It's an amazing thing. When you put God first, he starts taking care of the rest. But you can put something good first place in your life, and it can taste good. It can seem good. But it turns toxic when you put it ahead of God. And see, there's nothing wrong with money or finances or or, or material things. There's nothing wrong with those things. Some people misquote Scripture, and they say, money is the root of all evil. Jesus didn't say that said the love of money is the root of all evil. If you put money ahead of God, then your love will be on those material things and your security will be in your finances, which are so uncertain and so temporary. And so it becomes toxic when you put it ahead of God. Nothing wrong with it. It can be a good thing, but if you put it ahead of God, it becomes toxic. And you may not realize how toxic it is over time because it tastes great. And it may taste great for 70 years, probably won't, probably leave you empty way before that, but it may taste great for 70 years, and then the toxins take over. You die, and you realize you wasted your life, and you have no investments in eternity, because eventually, it will get you. You see, when you put God first, God says, then you'll have the blessings of a God-first life. Then you'll experience, when you taste, you'll see my goodness. But you've got to taste, and then you'll see it. Taste and see the goodness of God. Paul was speaking to Timothy, who was pastoring a church at the time, and Paul said, let me tell you what you need to do. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So I'm commanding you today. I'm the pastor, and so Paul was saying, this is what all the pastors need to do in their congregation. Command those who are rich in this present world. And some of you are going, whew, I'm off the hook. I'm not rich. I'm not one of those guys. No, you're not off the hook because if you live in America today, you're rich compared to the rest of the world. When you have a billion people living on less than two bucks a day, you know, half the world, you know, struggles with food security. I mean, if you live in America and you're on welfare, you're rich. You're in the top percentages compared to the rest of the world. So, I don't know where you are financially right now, but, but I know this. If you live in America, you're rich compared to the rest of the world. And so this is talking to every one of us, but don't worry about it. Don't feel guilty about it. He doesn't say if you're rich, then you're lousy, you're rotten, you're awful. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope, their trust, and wealth. He's saying, don't you dare trust in things that rust. Don't you dare trust in something that's temporary and won't last for all eternity. Don't be so short-sighted. And then he goes on to tell you the two things that we're to do. He says, it's okay to be rich. Don't worry about it if you do these two things. Number one, you're grateful for what God has given you. Instead of always wanting more, instead of always being jealous of what someone else has, that you're grateful for what God has given you. And secondly, you give generously. If you do those two things, don't worry about it. It's okay. You don't have to feel guilty about it. If you're grateful and you're generous. You're grateful and you give. Don't worry about it, but if you don't do those two things, you better worry about it because there'll be a great reversal at the judgment. There'll be a great reversal. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. 
But if you do those two things, you'll be all right. Don't worry. That, that's what he says here. There was a time in the Old Testament where God's people had stopped tasting in faith the goodness of God. They weren't tasting, so they weren't trusting. And everything in their life just became empty. They were just numb, going through the motions. Nothing worked out. You know, it just was like there was no purpose. And they lost meaning because they lost their sense of taste. You know, some Folks who've had the coronavirus have lost their sense of taste and smell, and then they kind of get it back, you know, and they're healthy, doing good, but it's not quite right. You know, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, yeah, I mean, it's been a year, but my taste still isn't right. I mean, I used to love peanut butter, and now it tastes like burnt rubber. It's horrible. You know, it's just so sad. And they've kind of lost that sense of taste, or it's kind of screwed up their sense of taste. But see, these people in... The Old Testament, God's people, they had lost their sense of taste because they started having a me first virus rather than a God first. Now, they didn't think of it as me first. They just thought of it as like my family, things I need, my house, but it's my, my, my. And they had this me first virus that they lost their sense of taste, and so they stopped trusting. And when they stopped trusting, they stopped seeing the goodness of God. You stop tasting, you'll stop trusting, and you'll stop seeing the goodness of God in your life. And that's right where they were. And God speaks to them in his love. But he speaks to them truth. And he says, begin by being honest. You want to get your sense of taste back? Begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. And you ask, how have we robbed you? the tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. God says to the people, if you wanna get your sense of taste back, then what you've gotta do is stop robbing me first. And they go, robbing? Why would we rob you, God? I mean. We hate when people rob us and people rob people in our community. I mean, we put them in jail. That's horrible, God. We wouldn't rob you. How are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You see, the tithe means the first tenth. And they were commanded to give the first tenth of all that they made, all their income, all their produce back to God first. They were commanded to give that first tenth back to God, not the last tenth, you know, not the leftovers, but the first tenth, because God says, it's mine. That's mine. And this principle of the first is taught all throughout Scripture, and Jesus affirmed it in the New Testament that, that God's people are to taste by giving God the first 10% of all they make because it takes faith. The last doesn't. The first does. You give God the first, and he says, I'm gonna meet your needs and bless the rest. Well, you see, the interesting thing was God's people knew this commandment. God's people knew the scripture and they knew that God commanded them to give the first 10% back to him to show that he's first place in their life. They knew this and they believed it. It's like, God, of course we believe in tithing. Of course we believe in giving the first 10th back to you. Of course we know it's really all yours anyway and you just say give the first part back and you're gonna bless the rest and we know all that. Yeah, we believe all that, but it was kind of like these oranges up here. I have 10 
oranges up here, exactly. And let's say it represents the income of a family in the Old Testament at that time. Let's say it represents the income of your family. Maybe you get 10 oranges every two weeks you know, as your salary, or maybe you get 10 oranges every month, or maybe you own your own business, you know, and, and 10 oranges, you feel like, you know, hey, you know, there's so many expenses, I don't know if I've got any oranges left, you know, but, but all that you make is 10 oranges. These 10 oranges represent all that you make, no matter what the amount. What is the tithe? The tithe is the first orange. You're to give God the first orange, the first 10% of all you make. The first, why? Because it takes faith. You, you can't have trust without taste. And so you've got to taste, you've got to experience it, you've got to give back the first orange, and then God says, I'm gonna bless the rest, you watch. But here's what the people were doing. They believed it in their heads, but not in their taste buds. They believed it in their heads, and, but what was happening, it was like, well, God, um, man, we've got to take several oranges to pay the bills, and so they would take several oranges, pay the bills, and God, uh, we do believe it, though, that 10%, we're going to do that, God, and, but I can't do the first, you know, because it's been really tight. We're going through a downturn, and it's, and it's really tight, so and then there's like more oranges for the expenses they had, car breakdown, whatever it be, the kids are expensive, and then boom, all these oranges were going out and they were down to the last orange and they would say, yeah, we know that you command us that we gotta give you 10%. So we've got that 10%, but then other things would come up and it was just on and on and on and on. And what would happen is they would come to the end of the month and there would be no orange left for God because it was leftovers. And basically, if they might have like a little bit of a, orange peel, and they would drop that in the offering basket at the temple. And God says, no, it's not going to work that way. I demand first place in your life. Oh, you can do that if you want, but you're stealing from me, and I'll get it back one day. And he was getting it back right then, saying, you're under a curse, basically. Everything you do turns to dust, and it's meaningless, and, and maybe your whole life, you don't see that, but then Boom, at the end, you don't take it with you. It's gone because it's temporary. And so God says, I want you to trust me. And here's the thing. He wasn't getting onto them. He was saying, hey, taste. You need to taste again. I know you believe it in your head, but that does you no good. You've got to taste by doing it. You've got to taste. And I'm telling you, if you taste again, you'll get the taste again, and your taste will come back. Your sense of taste will come back and you'll experience my goodness like you never have before. And I will open up the window of heaven. I'm gonna pour up blessings on you. You're gonna have so many oranges, you won't be able to contain them all beyond your wildest dreams. That's the promise God gives us. And he says, you can test me in this. He says, it's a taste test. It's the only thing we can test God in is in tithing. He says, if you tithe to me, I'll meet your needs. I'll take care of you. I'll show you that I care about your finances. I care about important areas of your life. I'll meet your needs, but it's gotta be the first orange. Test me in this. Well, God, I can't afford to this month. And God says, you can't afford not to because you've got to put me first so I can bless the rest. Put me first. Taste. And he's saying it in a way that's, it's not like he's getting onto them. He's being honest, but he's saying, I know you've been stealing from me for a long time, but I'm willing to forgive the debt and bless you if you'll just start tasting again. You're missing out. You're missing out on the blessings you can taste and then see. 
my goodness, in your life. They were missing out on the blessings of God. They just complicated it. It's so simple and yet so profound that you have to trust God in the most important areas of your life or really what are we doing, just playing Christianity? Because God says, my word is true, my promises are true, you can trust me. I don't want you to miss out, I want you to experience all that I have for you. I want you to see that I can work in the important areas of your life and I don't want you to hold on to a false security blanket that one day is gonna be gone that you can never trust in. Because anytime you put something first in your life other than God that can change or be taken away, you'll always feel insecure and worried and fearful. You'll never be at total peace. In Psalm 34, 19, as we go on in that chapter, he says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Saying if you put God first, you won't have a problem-free life. You won't have a pain-free life. You'll still have problems. You'll still have pain. You'll still have ups and downs. You'll still have difficulties. But God says, I will see you through every one of them. I will see you through every problem. And I'll keep taking you to a higher level. You may take a step back sometimes, but it's because I'm getting ready to thrust you ahead. You see, sometimes God allows pruning in our lives, and we have a step back. It's kind of like when you're just walking along a field and there's a huge ravine, you come up to the ravine and you wanna jump over it to get to the next level, to get over, maybe a little creek. And so you don't just jump from there, you go back so you can run and get some momentum so you can jump over it to get to where you've never been. And that's the way it is sometimes in the Christian life. Sometimes God will allow some pruning to pull you back so you can be more productive because he wants to take you to a whole other level. And I've seen it and what happens is if you keep tasting, and you keep tasting and trusting, tasting and trusting, you will look back and see, wow, God, how did we get here? You have taken us where we never dreamed we could be. Oh, there have been some ups and downs along the way, but we didn't stop tasting, we didn't stop trusting, and we are seeing your blessings beyond measure, and you've always come through, and we're blessed to be a blessing. You see, you put God first doesn't mean that you'll never have any bad things come into your life. You'll never have any pain. No, it just means that God will see you through and he will always provide. You start today and God says, I will meet your needs and I will provide. And you'll be on your way to seeing goodness that you won't be able to handle. Goodness that'll be overflowing and you'll be blessed to be a greater blessing. You know, we have an amazing chance to do that at Woodlands Church every December. We have a tradition around Christmas that we call our year-end Christmas offering. This year we're calling it our God first year in Christmas offering. We've called it many things, give your greatest gift to Christ, heart for the house, but it's a chance for all our regular tenders to give above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings for really for our own hearts and to show Christ that he's first place. It's really all about praying for God's blessings the next year. How do you want God to bless you the next year? Because be it done to you according to your faith, Jesus said. Given it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. He's saying that you can't outgive God. You just can't outgive God. And this year, in our God first offering, um, and back today is really the big day of the offering. And so if you're a first time guest, I mean, don't worry about this. You can give if you want to, God will bless you. Uh, but this is for our regular attenders, and we look forward to this every year. 
we pray about it, we plan for it, we get ready for it because it's a chance for everyone in our church to put God first at Christmas because we spend money on all these presents and things and they get broken or destroyed or never used and rather than the real birthday boy, Jesus Christ. And so it's a way, it's, it's something that's really helped our family as our kids grew up to show them that Jesus is really the reason for the season. It's all about Christ, and it's really a chance to taste and to trust and to test God's word and receive the goodness and the blessings of God in your life this Christmas and beyond. And so I just challenge you, you know, today is the big offering day, and then, but you can give all the way to December 29th and our God First offering, but to pray and say, God, what do you want me to give? And, and don't say, God, what can I afford to give? Say, God, how do you wanna bless me this next year? Yeah, I wanna give what you want, God. Not what Pastor Kerry says, but what you want. And you pray about it, and Chris and I are so excited every year to give over and above our regular tithes and offerings because we know that it's not just about what already belongs to God. It's like, as we increase that, as we continue to give more than our tithes and offerings, that just increases God's goodness and strength and blessing in your life with things that money can't buy, peace and fulfillment, and then also he meets your needs beyond measure. You're blessed to be an even greater blessing for God's glory. And so I wanna just, since today's the big offering and I wanna just go over with you some things about it. First, what you've done, what God's done through you this year. You know, one of our things is to get the gospel of hope around the world so that people can come to Jesus Christ. And the gospel of hope this year, 1,236 people were baptized to profess their faith in Christ at Woodland Church. And we didn't even get to baptize until six months, I think it was, into the year because of all the pandemic and all those things. So that's 1,236 people that received Christ as their Lord and Savior were baptized to show it. That's not just individuals. That is legacies. Generations will be changed because of that. And then over 4.5 million people watch Woodland Church every week through our online campus and our broadcast ministry. The gospel of hope of Jesus Christ is going out. Then the poor and powerless, we stand for the poor and powerless. We restored Pilgrim Hill Missionary Baptist Church in Tomball. It's a historic church that was dilapidated, but now it's restored and it looks beautiful. We're gonna get you some video of it. You're gonna love it and, and we're just so proud of those guys. We sent a semi-truck of supplies to Louisiana in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. We established a foster and adoption supply closet to support local families through this ministry that's just really exploding. Uh, we also um, impacted 1,200 lives through our blood donation drives this year, and that's just a few of the things that we do. The next generation, we provided school supplies for 2,000 kids in 22 schools this year. Over 3,905 students and children experienced Christ through our camps, our Bible schools, and our reality weekend. We're raising up the next generation to change the world for God's glory. And then we, Angel Tree, you know, it's like over 2,000 gifts given to, to kids who wouldn't have Christmas any other way. And by the way, um, our, uh, the FedEx drivers who have donated their time are in the service right now, and you ought to just thank God for them. And they're busy like crazy. And commit to pray for them all through the season. But we've loaded up all these trucks, like 10 FedEx trucks, to go to these kids that we've connected with, organizations that know kids that aren't gonna get any Christmas. And it just changes lives. And that's just a few of those things that we're doing. 
Our global outreach, 2,000 students this year went through biblical mentorship and training in Malawi, Kenya, and Honduras through Woodlands Church. 580 farmers went through our field schools in Kenya and Haiti providing food for families in need, and those farmers' field schools are amazing. Uh, we give them the seed that they need, and then we teach them agricultural principles. We have an agricultural scientist who really uh, leads the way in that, and so in what we're doing, we teach these principles. We give them the seed. They grow these amazing crops. They come week after week to these local churches where we hold our classes, and then they have these bumper crops and they take the first 10% of all their produce and they bring it back to that local church and we give it to the widows and the orphans. And it's amazing. And then the next year we give them a little less because they're already producing. The next year a little less until we don't give them the handout anymore. It's the help up because they want to succeed and they've got these amazing farms. And we have changed community after community that we've brought this into, these farmers' field schools. 80,000 meals were packed this year and sent to Haiti after the recent earthquake. 16 churches we planted this year in India, just this year alone. 137 women were rescued out of human trafficking in India this year alone as we provide job training and, and literacy training and support for them. 27 pastors were trained in Honduras and Kenya, and that's just a few of our ministries. These are just a few of our local and global ministries and missions that we wanna expand in 2022. Woodland Church is bringing food resources, leadership support, financial assistance, disaster relief, church planting, human trafficking, prevention, and ministry training from the Woodlands to all over the world. And God is using you to change lives for all eternity. You're doing something that's gonna last not for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, but for all eternity. That's what it's all about. Well, why should we give to this God first year-end offering? The main reason is to put God first in a very important area of your life, your finances. It's also important for sustaining our church family as a nonprofit, a Woodland Church, like nonprofits and all of the churches, um, really depend on the year-end giving because a, a lot of the budget can come in at the end of the year. And so it's really important for the whole next year, everything we do next year to expand ministries or if we have to cut back ministries, Everything that we do this next year will be dependent upon our year-end offering. And so that's one of the reasons. Our God-first offering is a practical opportunity to show how much you love God in the church and help us move forward in faith and showing and sharing Jesus' love. So how much should I give? Well, the real question is, what do you believe in God for? Jesus taught us that with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. So we just ask you to prayerfully ask God to show you what you should give over and above your regular tithes and offerings to our God first year end offering. Um, this is the time to make a difference for eternity. God's given us a vision in this broken world that we can bring the light of Jesus into the darkness and we can make a difference for all eternity in our area and around the world, from the woodlands to the world. And we are gonna step out in faith like we always have at Woodland Church. Chris and I are more excited about Woodland Church than we've ever been and the vision that God has called us to, but we're also scared because God's calling us to step out in faith more than we ever have. Well, God, what about this pandemic? God, what about this? What about this? And God said, you just keep stepping out, keep stepping out because I'm calling you to be a healing agent in this broken world. God calls us, the church, to be his hands and his feet and his voice to share and show the love of Jesus Christ in this broken world, and man, we need Jesus. I'm telling you, there are a lot of great organizations around that you can give to, there, and Chris and I give to charity, that's important. But worship is giving to your local church. The tithe goes to your local church, that's the storehouse. 
And so God says, the first is mine for my glory. And maybe this year you've never tithed, you've never really tasted and seen God's goodness in a really crucial area of your life. You've never really trusted him to do that. Make a commitment today that this is gonna be your year. You're gonna tithe. Maybe that's gonna be your God first offering. You're gonna commit to tithe this year and you're gonna start tithing today. And you're gonna see that God always comes through. And he's gonna meet your needs. And he's gonna bless you and strengthen you in ways you could have never imagined. And he's gonna teach you to let go and to trust him in a really important area of your life. Or, or maybe this year it's, um, you know, you're like so many who already know the blessings and benefits of tithing and God's calling you to give a sacrificial gift. We can't all give the same amount, but we can all sacrifice equally. Every one of us to go to the next level in our hearts and lives and to reach more people. And so I don't know where you're at, Maybe you've had a really tough year this year and it's a sacrifice to give $100 over and above your regular tithes and offerings or $10. It's not really the amount that matters. God sees the heart. That's what he sees. And some of you'd have to give six figures at least before it would even be a sacrifice at all. And it's whatever God is putting on your heart, but you can't give the same amount. We can't give the same, but we can all sacrifice. Say, God, what would you have me give? And to whom much is given, much is required, Scripture says. You know, the amazing thing is, study after study shows that the more you make, the less you give in America. Isn't that amazing? The less percent you give, that it's easier if you're making a smaller salary, it's easier to tithe than if you make a lot. Why is that? Greed. Because you start, instead of tasting and believing it's like wow god you don't need that money do you god that's i mean gosh i could use it on that that's a lot you know yeah back when i mowed lawns and got a hundred dollars i yeah sure i gave you the ten dollars but that wasn't much but do you really need this and scott says nope but i need your heart it's the only way i can get your heart because where your treasure is there your heart will be also jesus said i, I don't know what god's calling you to give it's between you and god but i know he'll call you to give more than you think that's what he always does with Chris and I, and we're excited about it. So how do you give? Let me just give you the real practical things. You can give online. Go to wc.org give. Some of you guys worshiping with us online, you can do it right now, wc.org give. Do it on your smartphone, wc.org give. And I really encourage you to set up a recurring gift. This is more important than your mortgage because your mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless your life. But when you give God the first orange, God will bless, that's his word. And he says, test me in this. Take the taste test and test me. I want you to experience it more than anything. And then you can also text GiveWC, one word to 77977. It goes to our push pay app and you can set up recurrent giving there too. Or you can mail in your gift. Um, you can give stocks or assets. And some of you have done really great in the stock market this year and it's a way you give stock directly to the church and you don't have to pay the capital gains on it. But um, it's not about how you give or what you give. It's about the heart that God cares about. And by the way, we also have these envelopes. You can, as we're gonna take our offering in just a moment, you can fill out your check and put it in there if you want. Um, there are many ways to give, but give for God's glory. Maybe you're brand new here. I just really encourage you to give for God's glory because he'll bless you. Um, no pressure, that's for sure. Give out of love. Give out of, give out of heart for Jesus Christ and for his church. And so we're gonna do that in just a moment. One of my favorite Christmas 
programs, with all the Christmas programs, I mean, you got Frosty the Snowman and Santa Claus is coming to town and all those kind of things. I love all those, but my favorite's always the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Did you know it's been aired now for 56 straight years, the Charlie Brown Christmas special? And I love that Charlie Brown Christmas special. Charles Schultz, who created Peanuts, was a really devout Christian. And so he wanted to do a Christmas special that would really share the true story of Christmas from Luke chapter 2. And so he put that in this Christmas special, and then the studio execs tried to cancel it. And they said, no, you know, you can't really do that. It's going to offend people. And they said, he said, it's Christmas, so I'm going to do it. And because Peanuts was so popular back then, they allowed him to do it. And you know the scene where Charlie Brown is so stressed because of the materialism of Christmas, and he yells out, can anybody tell me the true meaning of Christmas? And then Linus comes up, steps up on stage, and does this. Just watch. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about right there. Jesus Christ. A few years ago, I noticed something that I'd never noticed before about that. Did you know that Linus, who has that security blanket, and Lucy's always trying to get him to get rid of it. Everyone's always telling him, you don't need that security blanket. Why do you carry that security blanket around? But he, he always has that security blanket. Did you know that when he starts reciting the Christmas story from Luke chapter two, he drops his security blanket, and he drops it. First show the picture of him with the security blanket, yeah. And then right after he says the words, fear not, he drops it. You ought to watch it this year, and you'll see. Charles Schultz had to have done that intentionally. Right when he says, fear not, he drops his security blanket because Charles Schultz wanted us all to know and everyone watching that Jesus frees you from your fears. Jesus separates you from your fears. Jesus releases you from holding on to those false security blankets that you're holding on to with all your might and you're filled with fear because you... You're afraid you're going to lose it or what's going to happen this next year. And, and we hold on to those security blankets and crush the life out of it and the life out of ourselves. And, but Jesus Christ came to separate us from those false security blankets so we can let go and we can cling to him and have purpose and meaning. But did you know, you probably noticed in that little clip, he lets go at fear not, but then after he finishes reading the Christmas story, he picks it up again and walks off. And I'm like, what? And I thought, you know, that's just like you and me. You know, we can believe, Linus believed the Christmas story in his head. He says it, and when he's saying it, he, he tastes and he drops that blanket. 
But then after he finishes, it's like he forgets and he picks it back up again. And that's just like us. You know, it's like, yeah, we taste and we experience some of it. And then all of a sudden the worry comes back into our life. And, oh, we got to cling to that again. And, and we stop tasting and, and we hold on again. It just reminds me of us. That's why you have to keep tasting, keep tasting, keep tasting, and you'll keep seeing, and you'll keep seeing, and you'll keep seeing. Sometimes we want to taste and then see five seconds later. But God says, you taste and you'll see. And then at the end of the Charlie Brown Christmas special, this is no coincidence, I'm sure. At the end of it with the little Charlie Brown Christmas tree, Linus takes his blanket, he wraps it around the tree, and he never takes it back. And then the music changes. It's not Christmas time. It's not, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. They just finished singing. It turns into Hark the Herald Angels sing, Glory to the Newborn King. And he lays that blanket around the tree, and all the kids sing to the newborn King, Jesus Christ. Because when you bring those false security blankets to the cross and you lay them down and surrender, you never have to take them up again because you will taste the goodness of God's grace that you could never deserve. And he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out those blessings you never could earn, never could deserve. As you keep tasting, you'll keep seeing. God wants you to taste. He says, I want you to be free from those things that really hold you, those things that keep you from experiencing all the joy that I have for you and the blessings I have for you. I want you to be free from it. And I also want you to store up some treasure in heaven. I want you to experience my blessings here, but I'm concerned about your eternity I want you to store up treasure there. Well, I want us to bow our heads because we're gonna take our God first offering in just a moment. And I want us to pray. Dear God, I just thank you that you are the reason for the season. I thank you, Jesus Christ, that you're the one who can separate us from all our false security blankets, the things that we trust in. Lord, you know they're important to us. You know that we need them and there's nothing wrong with those things and finances. They can be used for such good. And all you say is enjoy them, enjoy all I've given you, but put me first. So I pray today that you'd help everyone within the sound of my voice break free from the things that hold us back. And we would taste and we would see, as you have promised, your goodness. Help us taste, Lord, and give what you call us to give. Lord, we can only give you back what's already yours. And who are we to be able to give to you, our great God, to make a difference in lives for all eternity. And we just pray, Lord, that you would multiply these gifts beyond measure as we stretch out to meet needs and to heal in your name, Jesus Christ, the broken and the hurting and the hopeless, and to lift up your name, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would just put on our hearts to give over and above our regular tithes and offerings, Lord, and to see the blessing that you're gonna bring in our hearts and lives this year for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our ushers are going to come right now. We're going to take our offering. And during the offering, I want to make a couple of announcements. Have you been to the Festival of Lights here at Woodland Church? What a ministry it's been. It's Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night from, I think it's like 6 to 8.30. And it's been packed out. I think 1,500 people a night have been coming, something like that. And it's amazing. The light show and and then it points people to Jesus. We also have a children's program that's really great for the kids. We have free, you know, hot chocolate and all that stuff. Everything's free. And we do it for ministry. The reason we do it is so that people who've never been to church can come onto our campus and feel comfortable 
and we can get to know them, connect with them, and invite them to Christmas Eve. And that's the other thing I wanted to remind you of. We're getting ready for our Christmas Eve services, and it's gonna be amazing. We've been praying and planning and preparing. Our creative team is unbelievable, and this year it's called the Miracle of Christmas because God wants to work a miracle in your heart, and the miracle of Christmas is Jesus Christ. If you get someone here, I believe God's gonna grab their heart because our team is working so hard. We're praying. We're asking God for miracles in lives and families and relationships. And so I'm just telling you, invite a friend and then serve at one of the services. Sign up online to serve, to be out in the parking lot, to greet people, to help in our preschool ministry, kids, and just sign up to serve. We need every one of you to serve as all these people will be coming in and to experience Christmas. And, you know, instead of just going home, to be with our families on Christmas Eve. We start December 22nd, and our pastors and our staff and our team, man, we're up here every day getting ready and doing all these services for one reason, because we want people to know Jesus. That's why. And so we need you with us to help serve and then come to a service, celebrate, and serve at a service. Well, Woodland Church, I want us to stand because I want us to close today by singing to the Lord. I don't know what season of life you're in. Sometimes... We're in a season of planting, and you plant, and and then you watch because the harvest is coming in a big way. And sometimes we're in a season of waiting, and it feels like we're waiting on God. Usually he's waiting on us to develop our character to be what he's called us to be so we'll be ready for the blessings he gives us. But sometimes we're waiting on God. We're in that season of waiting, but the wave of blessing is coming. And sometimes we're in the harvest season, man, and it's hard in the harvest season because you gotta get the harvest in when it's time. It's not easy. And so I don't know what season of life you're in right now. I don't know what season you're in in your life as far as maybe it's a planting season, maybe it's a waiting season, maybe it's a pruning season where God pulls you back a little bit so he can take you to the next level and you can be more productive. Or maybe you're in a season of harvest, but I don't know what season you're in, but I can tell you this. If you taste and see, harvest is coming. Harvest is coming. That wave is building up. That wave of God's blessing. That wave of God's strength. That wave of God's healing. That wave of God's hope is coming. And that wave is Jesus Christ. And his Holy Spirit is coming and moving on Woodland Church like I've never seen before. And I just want you to know that God's using you so powerfully. And God wants to do a miracle in your life this Christmas. He wants this to be the most meaningful and powerful Christmas you've ever experienced. As you just surrender everything to him at the cross, he gives you back everything you need. You see, whenever you surrender to Christ completely everything that you have, then you find all those things you've been striving for your whole life. All the things everyone's working for and striving for and the security and purpose and meaning and joy and happiness. When you surrender it all to God, you find everything you've ever wanted. And I don't know what season you're in, but this is a season to celebrate knowing that God's gonna come through and harvest is coming. You hold on to the harvest because it's almost here. You hold on to the harvest in your life. You say, well, what about the news? What about this? What about Omicron? What about all these variants? What about all this stuff? What about the economy? What's gonna happen? I don't know, but God does. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future, and I know harvest is coming. 
Harvest is coming in your life. Harvest is coming in your family. Harvest is coming in your heart. And all you got to do is taste, and you will see God's promises are true in your life. Let's sing to the Lord with all our heart, because this is a season to celebrate. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.